This episode of the School of Last Podcast is brought to you by our Patreon sponsors. And if you'd like to become a Patreon sponsor with a small monthly donation, you can learn how to do that at schooloflast.com forward slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And we're also brought to you this week by audible.com. That's right. If you'd like to enjoy audiobooks, we used to call them books on tape, but now they're just little files you can download right to your iPhone, Kindle, MP3 player. You need to check out audible.com. And if you go there now for a free trial for 30 days, uh, you can download a book of your choice. And I recommend Norm MacDonald's Based on a True Story, just released last week. To do that, go to audibletrial.com forward slash school of last. That's audibletrial.com forward slash school of last and download any of the more than 180,000 titles you have to choose from. Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by schooloflaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the podcast. Rick Roberts here. Thanks for joining us today. Today, I've got a fun interview with Dustin Nickerson. If you don't know Dustin, uh, he's a San Diego comedian. He's still got a full-time job. He's got another job on the side of that, and he's juggling stand-up comedy. Uh, been in it for about four years, 31 years old, but very funny guy and already making some waves out there. I thought it'd be good to have him on the show today to kind of give you guys an insight as what it's like when you're handling a job as well as trying to pursue stand-up and pursue it at a high level. Uh, give us some great stories and some great tips and just the way he goes about doing business and the uh, the balance of being patient and persistent is kind of a theme throughout the interview. Very funny guy. San Diego guy. In uh, 2015, he took first place in the San Diego Clean Comedy Competition and he also was a finalist in the funniest person in San Diego competition that same year. So a uh, very sharp guy. And at the end, we go and throw out a couple of joke ideas. So you want to tune in for that to hear the little bit of brainstorming going on there. Uh, I always laugh when I say brainstorming because I don't have much of a brain left. I also want to say uh, real quickly that on October 11th, if you're in the Nashville area, I'll be doing a graduation show for the School of Laughs at Zany's Comedy Showplace, 2025 8th Avenue South. Uh, showtime will be 7.30. Doors open at 6.30. Just $5 tickets if you mention the code FRIENDSFAMILY. If you don't use that code, it's 10 bucks. day of show. I think you can mention that code as well when you call in Zanies, and I'll link to all that information in the show notes. But last big graduation show of the year, October 11th, going to be a lot of fun, and you don't want to miss that if you're in the Nashville area. Lastly, uh, last writing class of the year coming up in November. You definitely want to check that out. It'll be November 7th, 21st, and 28th. Uh, from 6 to 8 p.m. here in the Nashville area. Shoot me an email at schooloflast at gmail if you want information on that. All right, let's jump into our interview with the most average comedian out there, Dustin Nickerson. Well, I am here with Dustin Nickerson. How's it going today, buddy? Good, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. You're in town doing a couple of gigs. And yeah. And then uh, just kind of hanging out a little bit, huh? Absolutely, yeah. Did a church show on Sunday and a conference yesterday. You know, it's like... It's easy to forget what your gigs are and where you are in oh, the yeah. world. Like I do that thing with Siri, like probably twice a month, where I wake up and I say, "Where am I right now?" <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or like, more. do you have that thing when somebody asks you, like, "What do you got coming up? Where are you going to next?" 
And you don't know. I know. It's <laughs> funny. That's really funny because back in the uh, comedy club days, I could tell you probably 12 weeks in a row. Really? But of course, I was younger back then and had the memory to do it too. But because <laughs> you're so fixated on filling up that calendar. Right. Right. I knew, I mean, if I had a day off or a, a weekend or something, I knew exactly what those dates were. Yeah, so I could always be yeah, on the yeah. radar to fill it. Yeah, that's interesting. And I would rattle stuff off and people would like look at me like, we just wanted to know where you're at next, not yeah. the next year. I think that might be a little bit of a, like when you were coming up, your, your tech calendar resources weren't as easy because now I'll get the date and I love getting date. You know, like, <laughs> it's one of the best parts of comedy is when you actually get the booking. Yeah, right? It's like, even oh. better than doing the show. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my gosh, it <laughs> happened. It, it, somebody wants me. <laughs> yeah. And then you, I get it now, and then I put it on the calendar, and then it's out of mind. And yep. then now I, like, I essentially, like, I take my travel, like, a week at a time. Or if somebody asks you, like, well, where have you been lately? I don't. It is, it, it's even harder to remember where you've been. Yeah. Again. Unless I flew in like that day, it's, it's amazing how it all just blurs together. It's this weird world of planes and hotel rooms and random gigs of clubs and churches and, you know, rec centers and everything in between. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's been, it's been fun here in town. That's I don't, I don't get out here very often. I think this is the third time I've ever been in or third or fourth time, what would be considered like the South. So it's fun to be out here. What do you think about the South? I mean, you're, you live in San Diego now. <laughs> I do, and I'm like West Coast through and through. I was born in Seattle, raised there for the first 27 years of my life, and then moved to San Diego uh, five years ago. So it's fun. It's it's a different world. Did you move from Seattle down to San Diego for comedy or for a job that kind of? It was for a job. Yeah, I was. Um, these were back in my church working days, and uh, I was at a big church up in Seattle. And uh, a friend of mine started a church down in San Diego, and I knew him from up in Seattle. And um, we were kind of looking to make the move anyways, um, you know, for a variety of reasons. Uh, but he said, I can pay you for three months. And I was like, okay, well, that's good enough. You know? That'll get you running. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so we went down there and, and helped him out and worked there for a little while. And then um, right around the time that I stopped working in churches, I took a day job at a, um, at a rec center through the Salvation Army called the Croc Center, um, which is, I still have that job. Um, and right around that time, I started doing stand-up as well, almost as like a bucket list type thing. Uh-huh. Like I always, like I grew up in love with stand-up comedy. Who are your you know? favorites? Really, um, like I was the Comedy Central era of kid, like the half-hour specials. Okay. So like before that, when I was young, young, like I was in love with, uh, obviously watched a lot of SNL and some of their longer specials, like Dana Carvey, even though my comedy couldn't be less like Dana Carvey. Like right. I absolutely loved like his uh, Critics' Choice special I have memorized, you know. And I didn't even know what the jokes were as a kid. You uh-huh. know, he's doing like Hugh Grant material. <laughs> right, like, yeah. You know, I'm like six. So I was like, oh, yeah, I know what this means. I'm James Mason. Yeah, yeah exactly. okay, great. That's, that, I'll take your word on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if that's an accurate impersonation but i'll i'll take your word um but then like i again like you stand-up comedy in my generation was so accessible like the half hour specials were everywhere you know like you you would turn it on and it would be you know jim gaffigan and regan had one and dane cook had one and nick swartzen had one and pablo francisco had one and like these were names that you just knew because Comedy Central was on, and you're like, oh, stand-up comedy. And they, they kind of hit right around the time that, like, because, like, when I was, like, 15, 16, 17, stuff like that, where it became an art form that you appreciated more. Because, like, young, young kids, stand-up's not for them. Right. It's long form, you know? Like, I'm going to say something a minute, minute, you know, uh, 35 that pertains to something that hit at minute seven, 
And a, a seven-year-old doesn't get any of that. Right, right, <laughs> you right, know? right. They just want a big animated story. And, you know, when you're doing, like, youth gigs, it's more that kind of stuff. Um, but, yeah, I just I, I fell in love with that stuff and just became, like, a real kind of, like, connoisseur and went to live shows all the time. And, you know, when I was in college, there would be these, like, $5 shows where you would get guys that are now big, big names. Uh-huh. But then we're like kind of on the on the up and up, you know. Do you like, mean anybody? Uh, yeah, I remember um, the first one that I went to was Mike Rabiglia and uh, um, and his opener, not the middle. The opener was John Mulaney. Oh wow! And he was doing like ten minutes, and I still remember the bits, you know, like he did something about writing a, a suicide note in Wingdings, like which was very like <laughs> right. old kind of Joe, I mean, knowing that font <laughs> and stuff. And uh, but he was a nobody at the time. And but followed his career, and then I remember um, Eugene Merriman and Michael Ian ba- Black came to my school, and so. And which school was that? It was University of Washington. Okay. So I'm originally from Seattle and went to the University of Washington and stuff, and I love making fun of Portland. Um, and I mean, uh, University of Oregon is in Eugene, but they, uh, but Portland headquarters like is in Beaverton, it's right outside of Portland. Uh, <laughs> it's so funny, like Portland prides themselves on being this weird, cool, independent, you know, out there type city, yet has Nike. What in the world is more mainstream than right. Nike? <laughs> like, that's your big company? You know? yeah. I can't. Yeah, it doesn't really check out to me, but... That's funny. Anyways, so yeah, I went to I went to the University of Washington, and they brought in some co- quality comics, three yeah. act shows, even. That's that's even kind of rare for colleges. Usually, it's just one guy coming in. And- yeah, yeah, they were, you know, for whatever... And in hindsight, I, I, now I want to know how to get booked on those shows. Was, right? was it, you think it was like, uh, were they like Tuesday night gigs before these guys were hitting the comedy clubs up there? And it was one of those kind of, I add-on have no deals? idea. You know, I know Biglia, I mean, he was kind of known for the college gigs, right? Like he would go and pay, pe- he would pay people in CDs to go ticket the campus. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, I might have just been my school had a good following for it, you know, and That's they cool. through their ASB had brought in some pretty good acts, you know, because it wasn't that long ago. Like those guys all had credits and were known, known acts, you know. So and were you doing any stand up in college? No, yet? I didn't do stand up until I was, until I was 27, you know, so kind of like. So late, after you moved to San Diego. Yep. Yeah. It was kind of like one of those like refresh, restart, you know, like we're in a new place. Like, you know how you just kind of. It's just that you hit the reset button and you're like, oh, well, this is something that we've thought about doing. And, yeah, it's a clear slate. Yeah. You know, nobody knows me here. That's exactly it. Yeah. Because cause to randomly start comedy is strange, you know, especially like I was married or am married still and had two kids at the time. And so it would just be a weird side how my family was there and I had a bunch of friends there and, you know, it would just be... Uh, it never even hit my mind, and we didn't even really like. I would go to like I wouldn't go to the comedy club a lot, but I would go to these like bigger shows, theater uh-huh. shows, stuff like that. And so we came here and or came to San Diego, and I just was thinking about it a lot and uh, wanted to try it. And, and my, what's now my home club, Madhouse Comedy Club in um, in San Diego, like uh, just went and did their open mic on probably a Tuesday. Uh-huh. I, I don't even remember what night of the week it was, and. Um, did three minutes and it's, it's that kind of like cliche comic thing that you just did it and you caught it and you just didn't stop. That's what it was. Like yeah. I spent three minutes there and then I talked to every comic who worked the show. Cause it was the way that they they worked then, Madhouse worked then was you did the mic and then there was a showcase after. So those showcase guys, I was like, who are you guys? Uh-huh. Why do you get longer sets and a free meal? I want to know how that happened. Yeah. You know, and in hindsight, you know, like those guys were just, they're just their city's comics. They're not celebrity. They all have day jobs too. 
but I wanted to be like one of those guys. Mm-hmm. I wanted to, and like it's the one advantage I think that starting a little bit later is like you have an understanding of how the world works, you know, right? Like, you know, like it is about being funny, but like I kind of caught early on, like, well, no, there's a way to get booked on shows, right? You need but to you, build relationships, yeah, and you need so to like, pour into somebody before you ask. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a reason that like, yes, funny does rise to the top, but funny rises to the top faster if funny's good at the other things too. You yeah. know what I mean? Like building the relationships and, and networking and, and just being a, a decent dude, being approachable and being relational and doing it in a genuine way. Nobody likes a sleaze bag. Like, right. You know, yeah, like, I know. I got an email recently like, Hey, I'm going to this event. What's the best way to, you know, work my deal so I can leverage yeah, this? I'm like, nobody likes that. Yeah, be awesome on stage, be even more awesome off. Right. Right. I have, um, like in the scene that I'm in in San Diego, um, like I'll have decent, a, lot, a decent amount of people ask me like how you get road work because, you know, when you first start as a club comedian, like that's the dream right. is road work. And, you know, there's a, and it's, it's a good question to ask. And I've asked the question and people who get more road work than me, I ask them that question too. And I think they, is, there's an assumption that you just network and network and network and network. And there is an element of that, but like you have to deliver too, mm. especially if it's a headliner that's bringing you, like you have to deliver for them and the club. Otherwise the club looks bad. You look bad. And that headliner that brought you looks bad. Right. You know? So like, there's not, you have, you, yeah, you just have to be funny, you know, like, and not just funny enough. You usually have to be pretty good funny. And sometimes when you're brought in, to a new city as a nobody, you have to almost be even funnier because that local group of comics kind of hates you. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, yeah, you're on Because you're stage. taking their feature work. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you're on their stage. Why is this person coming in here? Who is this guy? And that's even more so, like, just be approachable, be kind, be complimentary, watch their sets, you know, compliment the jokes that you liked and, uh, you know, just, just be as, like, down to earth and reasonable as possible. Always thank the booker, be grateful, all those type things, you know. Not that I have this huge calendar full of work, but like when people ask me those questions, like I try and emphasize that. And then, then some of it's just random dumb luck too. A lot, you know, there is that too. Sometimes you just email the booker at the right time. Like, mm-hmm. be, cause you, cause I, I have two shows that I run and one of them is a very established show. Um, that is a fairly high demand show. It's been going on for like 11 years in San Diego. And, um, where's that one at? It's called Lestats. It's, 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 it's the longest running independent comedy show in San Diego and it's fantastic. It's amazing. And it's a really like in demand room. And I try and be like as professional on top of it as I can as booking it. Um, cause I just took it over fairly recently. Um, but reality is, is like sometimes like just when I sit down to book, like somebody emailed me recently, uh-huh. you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, and that's the thing at the top of the end, or they they happen to hit you at the time when you have your calendar open, you know? Right. So yeah, sometimes it is just dumb luck too. But yeah, when you're, when you're hustling and, and doing the things you should, you'll find people there. Yeah, you know? and I've I've overstepped, and I, I try and do that less and less now. I think early on, like I was, I was so eager to get work, and still am. Love working. Yeah. That's why I do it. Right. That. I definitely probably burned some bridges of just being too squeaky of a wheel, you know, oh, like know. just hitting them yeah. up too much and pestering. I, it's not even a probably like I know and can give you names of people that I was like, you know what? I just, I went too hard too soon. Like I wasn't, I wasn't ready and I was too annoying and I was, too, I was just overzealous to the point that, you know, they're like, there's such a, especially in Southern California, there's just so many comics, yeah. you know, that 
you walk this delicate balance of being professional and being consistent and having good follow-up and just being really annoying and desperate and, <laughs> and them sensing that. You it know? is tricky. Like, you know, anytime you approach somebody and they haven't heard about you yet. Right. Then there's no reason for them really to pick up the phone. Mm-mm. And, Mm-mm. but you start taking that as resentment. I mean, there's a couple of clubs that I had a hard time getting into. And, you know, the guys had never heard of me. Yeah. And nobody ever mentioned me to yeah. them. Yeah. Who's and I was Rick still Roberts? New. Nobody. And who's Justin Nickerson? We're took, nobodies. Yeah. yeah. But you like, almost like I would write it down in my day, day runner, you know, every Monday at 10 o'clock, yep. call this dude. And I, I remember there were some people I called for like three years yep. every Monday. Yeah. And I look back now, I'm like, man, they must have just hated us. Yeah. It got to the point where they, who's calling? Uh, you know, I make up a different name or something yeah. to see if they pick up. Yeah. But I, I was in the wrong at that yeah. point. Yeah. There's a sweet spot. There's a sweet spot of the person that goes too much and is too overzealous. And then the other person that sits back and waits for the bookings to come. And that doesn't, that doesn't really happen. happen. At all. Yeah. There's just, you've got to, you've got to throw your name out there. Like sometimes you, some, yes, yeah, sometimes somebody is seen. Uh, but even to be seen, even to get booked, like it's to, to make the jump from open mics to book shows, like you usually have to put yourself out there a little bit and you, or you have to do well on the mics. And then to get in in other clubs, like other clubs, it's happened one time in my career ever and it was totally random and it's a great club and I'm super thankful for it. But they saw a clip of me on TV and they called me uh-huh. and it'll never happen again. Never again do I count on that. Right. Everything else has been, you know, being consistent and being professional and having this follow up. And then also... You know, having a good clip and being funny. And then when you do get there, um, delivering so that they have you yeah. back and it's not just a one-time thing. You yeah, know? and it also has to be a good fit, too. Like, Right. Yeah, there's just certain shows and clubs that you're not the right fit for, and that's yeah. okay. And that, that's hard to hear when you first start. I had a, a booker um, tell me at an L.A. club, you're on my list, but just so you know, I have 400 comics ahead of you on that list who are better. And he said that word better. And he gave me a number. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why are you going to give me a number? That's I don't want to see the leaderboard. I don't <laughs> right. wanna, like, just tell me if I have something, I'll let you know. Yeah. Oh, man. For, but yeah. in, this, in, the, in, in, in hindsight, you know, honestly, the number was probably bigger. In, in L.A., I was a year and a half in. You know, I, like, like you said, I shouldn't. I probably shouldn't have even been on the radar at all, you yeah. know, why I was calling and following up. But that's the thing. I think there's a sweet spot, and I think I've eased off that gas a little bit. Um, but I think that same drive is is good. I mean, it just shows that you want to work and you want to get on stage. Like, that's the driving desire, right? You want yeah. to do comedy and anywhere that'll have you. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's always a... No matter what you're focusing on, something else is falling to the wayside a little right, bit. It, it, right. You know, if you look at it like juggling, it's probably a, a business ball you got to keep in the air. Right. There's the promo ball you got to keep in the air. There's the website right. ball. And then you, there's the material. Then there's actually get on stage right. doing the material. Then there's the networking. So you can only focus on one movement at a time. Like, right. And then as soon as you get that tight or up to where it needs to be, you got to go right. catch the other thing. Yeah. And yeah. it's almost like a Ferris wheel. As soon as. What was at the top of your list gets down to the bottom. It needs to get back to the top again. Right. Yeah. And yeah. No, that's true. Because I do. I would say that like getting into new clubs is not my top priority. Whereas once it was, mm-hmm. um, and it probably will be if and when I don't have a day job anymore. You know, because then. But right now, just with my schedule, you know, uh, <laughs> I say uh, three kids. Uh, three jobs and a wife, you know, like it's pretty full. Like I don't really need another, I don't need a lot more clubs at this point. I'm thankful for whenever they come, but I don't chase them as much. But that will come again right. if and when I'm like, well, now I have, I don't have a day job anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like let's get as much work on the calendar as we can. Yeah, no doubt. So you get the church job. 
or, well, the, the, or the, the rec center job. The rec center job, yeah. And then what you said you got three. Well, yeah, this. over well, and and that was kind of a seasonal. Like I did uh, some MC work for the Padres this last summer. Oh, great, was fun, yeah. And I it was kind of like it wasn't super consistent, but it was what I would consider like a non-comedy job, and that it was you know a different organization, a different schedule, the afternoon things, and. And MC work is like I MC'd a conference this last week, and I was watching the MC at the conference as last at last night. MC work is hard. It's so much harder than comedy. It is. It's so brutal because you're not doing your pre-written material, and if you do, it's always feels forced. Yeah. At least, even if they like it, it feels forced to you. And you're just memorizing, you know, the order of the events, and you're trying to. How do you say that last name? Oh, and the last names kill you. And then, yeah. and then if something goes wrong, you have the opportunity as a comedian to have fun with it. Yes. But then the event planner could look at it like you're demeaning the event yeah. or the or the person or what yeah. they said. I do a an event um, uh, every year. The Children's Pastors Conference. I did it last year and I did it this year. And I remember when they asked me to MC it, I just told them because I'd watched their conference the year before and they've been really good to me, this conference, this organization. And I said, like, I watched your MC, like, and I'm not that guy. Like, he was, he was a magician, but he wasn't doing any but he had that presentation to uh-huh. him. You know, magicians are dialed in, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're so good. Uh, and it was perfect and he wasn't reading from a script. He wasn't looking at notes. He just delivered. And I was like, that's not me. I can't do any of that. And it was, uh, I was like, but if you want like someone to be like kind of fun and lighthearted and do some like, you know, some jokes and stuff like that. And they, they said, um, okay, yeah, let's do that. And like maybe you'll do an announcement or two. And I did that. I did my jokes and it all went well. And then I did the announcement and botched the announcement. <laughs> and then so they stopped having me do announcements, like just do the jokes. That's funny. So, do you, I mean, do you want to go full time in the comedy yet? Are you happy where you are with? Uh, we love the Salvation Army and the and the rec center job that we have. Like, um, some of it's just like knowing where we're at in life. You mm-hmm. know, like my kids play sports there, and you know, it's really involved in the community, and it's through the Salvation Army, which is such a good organization, and it's a great job. And um, so, I, I, I'm not. I feel like sometimes when people ask you, like, do you want to be a full time comedian? Like, sometimes that's saying, like, do you want to win the lottery for a living? You know, like, it's or lose like, the lottery. Or lose the lottery. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to win it temporarily, but yeah. then maybe lose it in your sixties because you didn't win it enough and <laughs> right. you made it like, ah, it's kind of terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, it's, I, this is the cheesiest thing that I've ever said. Uh, but like, I'm like committed to the journey, like wherever it takes me. Like, I'm very, the, the point, I have to tell myself this, like, like I got into comedy, like not to be famous and not to be wildly successful or to even be like a full time comic. Like I got on it because I felt like I wanted to make people laugh and I had a point of view and I want, I had something to say. And like that I have through my scene, through LA, through the road, through the gigs that I get, like I get a lot of stage time. I get, I'm able to do that a lot. Um, I still have, you know, grand ambitions of, of, um, you know, other projects that I'd love to work on and a certain like level of success that I've lot I'd like to get to. But I also understand that like I'm a four year guy, like I'm, which is new by comedy mm-hmm. standards. And, um, and I'm really thankful and grateful for the work that I have right now and just want to keep working to get like as funny as I can. I don't want to release stuff before I should. I don't, uh, it's very different than when I first started. The first year I was like, I need to record an album now, right? right. Like, look at all these things that I say. <laughs> right. And now I'm much more in like the, like, let's hold back. Let's, let's just continue to hone the craft and get as, you know, as good as this as I can, you know? Um, 
But yeah, like if NBC wants to build a sitcom around me, sure, I'm on board with that. Right, right. <laughs> um, but like that stuff, so I feel like that stuff is so impossible to predict that it's uh, that it's it, it sure it's in it's in the in the dream category. Um, and if it happens, it's fantastic. But I'm I'm very very content like with what me and my family are living, you know, right now in San Diego. So I was gonna say, you know, if you've got a, a job that allows you to travel this much, right? I mean, what's the relationship there? I guess you. could yeah, they're, I mean, it's, pretty... yeah, I mean, I, uh, you know, what you end up doing is you just use a lot of your vacation travel from, uh, vacation time for travel. And, you know, I do travel, but I don't do long, long runs very often. Uh-huh. Um, you know, like only on occasion, you know, like a lot of the clubs that try and string together work, you know, like you're doing the loony bins and they want to do a, a month of work. Um, you know, like I can do a week. I can give you a week max. And right. even those are more strenuous. Um, but like a lot of the clubs that I work are Thursday through Sunday clubs or even Friday through Saturday clubs. And I can just kind of work it where I do a five day work week, you know, Sunday through Thursday and I leave on Friday or I take one vacation day and I can just, mm-hmm. you know, go on the weekend. And, and some of it too, it's nice to like, n- to not have the pressure of the comedy income. Like I, was I don't say that too. It's really nice because, you know, I know if and when I make the jump, you have this pressure. Like I have to net. The most amount of money possible. Right. I have to spend the least amount of money. I like I can't eat while I'm gone. <laughs> right. I have to um I have to sell as many t-shirts as I can. I have to do all this stuff. Whereas now, like I'll be like they're like, hey, you want to go to Tucson or Albuquerque or wherever club you're working for like three hundred dollars or whatever, and you're like, Ugh. but then I'll look at it as like, well get a hotel for two nights i can just bring my family mm-hmm. and then you know like i bring my family a decent amount of the time that we travel which makes it a lot easier because right. but if i were a full-time comic i couldn't do that the pressure part of it and the income part of it right would change it would even seep into your persona on stage a little bit if you're at a club that maybe was the first club of a chain right like you know if i do good here i can get booked in 12 other right and you needed the pressure. They had the right, pressure of the income. Right. It would change how you were on stage, and you Absolutely, might you yeah. might resent the audience for not responding big right. enough or something. Whereas now you're like, okay, I've got the job, yeah, which which relax it should relax you on stage comedy yeah. wise, sure, which makes your comedy better. Yeah, yeah. So you change that, that one dynamic. There's less desperation. Yeah, you know. Like, there isn't a pressure. Like, I can get up most nights in my city. And between that and L.A. and, and like, you know, playing the West Coast and the Southwest, like, there's stage time. Once you kind of get established and known in those and you have certain clubs that are working you regularly and clubs and churches and all the other places that you play, like, there isn't – you don't have to work the road to get on stage. Now, the road's helpful for longer sets, for sure. Yeah. You know, and that's why the road's important when you start wanting to feature or get ready to headline – those are harder to find, you know, in L.A. and even San Diego to some extent. Um, but the stage time is there. Mm-hmm. And so there's less of that. Like you can have a day job and do comedy most nights. And I have enough full, full-time comic friends that are wish they had a day job. Or, or you can even sense it's not the day job they miss. It's the financial piece. Yeah, the, you know? just the insurance piece. The, yeah, exactly. Yeah, especially if they're married with kids. Mm-hmm. And I think that in some circles there's like a – you know, like a stigma of like, you're not a real comic if you have this, but I, that's silly. You know, yeah, like, I think any comic that holds on to that stigma is in, in the wrong generation. Right. Now because, <laughs> yeah. Or they're in denial. Or yeah. They, or they don't have a primary skill besides comedy. Right. Right. Which, yeah. Which at some point you kind of work yourself out of if you right. do comedy all the time. Yeah. 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 I think I agree with that as well. Yeah. At this point, I'm choosing a day job instead of that type of road work, you know? 
Yeah. For a lot of different reasons. No, that's smart. <laughs> that's smart. Would you want to, would you like to try to work on some material real quick before we get out of here? Sure. Yeah. Um, this is a, this is a, um, a bit that I've done like maybe two or three times on stage. It's, it's not even a bit. It's a true story. Uh, the, the, the premise, the idea for it is that kids are like, kids are useless, uh, from a functional standpoint. Like they don't carry any, they don't help in the home. You know, right. maybe when they get a little bit older, they do like the easiest chores, but they're far more burdensome <laughs> than they are helpful, especially at a young age. And I did this, um, I wanted to do this like social, uh, like experiment with my kids where like if to see, I've always wondered like if something happened to me, like what would they do? Uh-huh. Like if I had a heart attack, you know, or I passed out, what would they do? And so I'm on, like we, um, whenever I get home, my kids, like they, they'll, they'll yell, everybody on the trampoline, like me and the three kids will go wrestle on the trampoline. And so I'm wrestling with my boy and middle girl, Joel and Gloria. And Joel like hits me, uh, uh, <laughs> like a kind of a knee to the head where it was conceivable that like it would knock me unconscious. Uh-huh. <laughs> this so. is a story that I've been telling. Us. So I was like, well, let's see. This is my opportunity. Let's right. see what would happen. And man, did they disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> like I go unconscious. So I go limp on the trampoline and I just lay there in the fetal position. And for five minutes, nothing changed <laughs> they skipped jumping <laughs> they just kept jumping on me <laughs> like, like oh like i was just doing some silly game and it, at some point i was like maybe this is good they see through it but i was like there's no reason that they should think that i'm not unconscious they un- they understand that people can get knocked out nine and six there but they why are they not stopping <laughs> they're like ah his ribs are exposed get him you know and then like and then they went to go and this is where actually there's a little bit of a dip in the story like on stage at least like then they just started to do like every inappropriate thing that like it's almost like they were testing to see if i was like well this will get them out like they started to like slap my butt you know <laughs> and started saying potty words and like just to, like well this will snap them out and then i still didn't so then i'm trying to figure out like well do they do they believe me and then after about 10 minutes of this they just left <laughs> They didn't go tell anyone. Like, I couldn't tell if they just got, uh, like, if they were like, no, he's he's faking it, and they got bored, or something was actually wrong, and they were just bored, too. <laughs> but either way, they just left. And uh, <laughs> so it's a, it's a story that I'm trying to work out on stage. Um, and just as I told it, it's uh, gospel truth. Like, that's how – so I'm trying to figure out the beats of it a little bit. Yeah. Um, but the first, the, the way that the story goes on stage is it really, the kids are useless thing hits at the first bit and then a uh, beat. And then the next thing of, uh, yeah, how nothing changed. That line always hits for the first five minutes, nothing changed. Right. Like they just continued to do it. And now it's like continue to tell the story. And then I'm trying to figure out like the button at the end. Uh-huh. Like how can I make it absolute funniest that they just left me there? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, yeah. I think it's what, where they go when they leave you. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. They you went know, in to eat. That's what they, they went did. in to eat or they did something, you know, watch a TV show that was about, they watched survivor. They watched some, they, they, they went somewhere and watch a TV show that would have gave them the information to like save you or something. <laughs> and they still didn't do anything. And they still about. didn't do anything. Well, they did, what they did do is they went in and eat. They went in and ate, which means like that was the immediate need to them. Right. Like, hey, I'm a little hungry. Let me go fix that problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Their, their minor hunger was the urgent, you know, like not the possibly dead father. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> 
Yeah, or uh, yeah, they even eat your plate of food. Like this, they went in and ate my food. That's funny. Yeah, actually, like, yeah, that was like uh, you, you hear from the window, like maybe the kitchen window's open. Hey, he's not going to be eating that yeah. anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that could be funny. They so, went in and ate my dinner, or yeah, they went in for the extra share or something like that. that yeah, could be funny. It's almost like a, it's almost like a Red Riding Hood thing. Almost like they go in and you're not there, or is that th- yeah. Is that the right story? Uh, it's the three bears. Right? Three bears, yeah. yeah. So it's like they they break your chair, yeah, <laughs> they sleep yeah. in your bed. <laughs> That's funny. So yeah, yeah, yeah they, they go in, they eat your food, sit in your chair, and sleep yeah. in your bed. And it's like I'm nothing more than just a, one of the three bears out right here. Right at something. that point, yeah, that's good. I like that. <laughs> that's yeah, I want to. I, I suppose I should tie it back to the original premise of just the general uselessness mm-hmm. of children, too. Um, I'm not quite sure. It, like you, like I want. Anytime I put, like, anytime I tell stories, I do want them to be. I don't like when I break out of like. You know what I mean? When you tell a story on stage and it's believably, believably, believable. And then like at the end, it kind of took a twist that you're like, Oh no, that you went fiction at the end yeah, of it. Yeah. And then you're not sure how much of the story was real at all. So I'm trying to find just the most, the funniest, most articulate way that I can say of that they just left me there for dead. You know what right. I mean? And they didn't even tell mom. They didn't even tell the mom. <laughs> that's they funny. I would maybe that's what it earlier. is. Like, uh, oh, maybe that's what it is. Is she didn't come see me either? <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They tell her what happened, and she doesn't even come out. Of yeah, life. yeah. Let me. I'll, I'll play around with that because that is true. I think that she. I don't. What did they say? She didn't ask where I was. She didn't ask if I yeah. was okay. And then you realize at that point that everyone was useless. And, <laughs> yeah. and then you tell the crowd, and that's why I don't mind being with here with you guys tonight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. as long as it, we can spend as long as we want together. Yeah. They don't even know I'm gone. You guys are as. You guys are as good to me as my family. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, trying to think if there's anything else, other little angle to take it. I think, yeah. I did, this is somewhat related, but like I do play a lot of games with my kids that involve me just laying down. <laughs> oh, you learned that early as a <laughs> yeah, parent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I judge the quality of a dad based on the amount of games that he's created where his whole job is just to lay down. Yeah. Like we have games called like Wake the Sleeping Gorilla. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe that's why they didn't do anything because it's like the gorilla's too sleepy. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that, that, you know what, that's backfired on me. Maybe that's where I can tie it in. I could tell that story first and then say how that backfired on me. Because if something ever did happen, maybe, you know what, maybe that's the arc of the story is that I can tell it that way. I can say, set up like I judge a dad by the quality of games he's invented that involve him just laying down. Right. Tell Wake the Sleeping Gorilla. And then I wondered if this had backfired and if my kids are generally kind of useless because they can't tell the difference between whether or not I'm faking it and then tell that story. I like that arc. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Come back around on it. Yeah. Well, plus, you know, I'll eat up more stage time that way. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Cool. I'll let that marinate too. I might think of something after we, we wrap up today. Cool. Um, so I've got one. I think I actually threw this premise out on the podcast like a year ago. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, got to check in for my flight tomorrow, but I'll do that in a minute. The, um, so here's, here's the reality. I'll set it up with the reality. I'll, I'll just go right into it the way I've done it one time and I still need to work on it here. So I have a four year old mm-hmm. has a hard time with L's and R's. Okay. And sometimes it's just hard to understand what, what she's saying. And that wasn't a big issue. Until recently, we got new neighbors on one side of our house. They also have a little girl, same age, four years old, and her name is Lily. Mm-hmm. On the other side of our house, they have a four-year-old dog named Willie. <laughs> but when my four-year-old says either of those, it sounds the same. Yeah. It's Willie. 
Will we? Will we? Will we? Okay. So the other day I came home and I opened the door and my four year old's right there. She said, Papa, this is not good. I'm like, what's not good? There was a rabbit in the backyard and Willie started chasing it <laughs> and the rabbit bit Willie. <laughs> and I'm like, so did her dad get take her to the hospital? No, not Willie. Willie. <laughs> I said, oh, so the, like the rabbit, it, it is. It's hard for me to even get through. Willie's on first. Yeah. And so I said, okay, so I got it. Willie the dog. Yeah. She goes, no, a rabbit. I said, Willie the dog <laughs> oh chased the rabbit. The rabbit bit Willie the dog. Yes. Yeah. I said, we should go help the rabbit. Will we? <laughs> she says, will we? I said, we will. <laughs> so, it's a tongue twister. And as, I was going to say, I don't know if I could deliver that joke on stage. Oh, it's, I'm dyslexic. So it's like at any point, it could go either way. Yeah. But um, That's a memorized bit that you say in the shower and in the car for yeah. six months. And then it gets so dialed in, you know? Right. Yeah. So I did it once. It got a decent reaction. Yeah. But I'm thinking, you know, and I'm not dead set on the rabbit biting the dog or the dog yeah. biting the rabbit. Anything could happen. No, oh, that, that element doesn't seem super important, right? Right. It's to the get to the story. Uh, yeah. No, that seems that seems like a pretty tight bit as far as the beats go, right? Like, and then the and then the button at the end is the we will we will <laughs> we will. Can you do? Do you want to do one longer? We will. We will help, will we? Oh, there you go. That might be good. Yeah. We will help, will we? We will help, will we? And, and then my daughter says, the girl or the dog? <laughs> yeah. That's what I should do at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Twist now it back you've around. confused her. We will help, will we? The girl. <laughs> and I'll just say yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. W- should we help her? Yeah. Will we? We will. The girl or the dog? <laughs> yes. That's fun. I like that. <laughs> I'll try it that way then. Yeah. I kind of like her turning it back around on me. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a tongue twister, mind boggler. Yeah. But anytime I think if, that, if I can get it. Anytime that you see the word lily, uh-huh. you're going to read Jesus in Matthew 6. <laughs> right. Consider the willies of the field. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, should, I, I could bring a flower into yeah. it as well. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I guess if, it, if it's the girl that gets bit, then I could say we should take her a flower. Yeah. Will we? That's a good idea. What <laughs> <laughs> should we take her? Oh, will we? Oh, gosh. Here we go again. I like it if you get more exceedingly frustrated throughout the bit. You know, like, because it is, even just hearing you say it is frustrating to me. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. At least I'm not laying on the floor. Nobody's reacting. Right. <laughs> I hope nothing actually happens to me. <laughs> well, you know, it's going to, yeah, it'll be hours later and the, the coroner will have no idea why nobody responds. I guess it's quicker. my fault, right? Like, I've put them in that scenario, but... <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great. I've trained them poorly. Well, cool, man. If you can, sometime down the road, record that bit and shoot me a yeah, copy of yeah. when you think you've got it where you like it. Cool. And I'll throw it back on the show so people Sweet. can well, see dude. where we took them. Cool, Dustin. I appreciate you Thanks, coming Rick. in today. Yeah, it was fun. Enjoy the rest of the time here in Nashville. And Will do. Have a good travel back. Sweet. Thanks, Rick. You bet. Bye-bye. Hope you enjoyed that with Dustin. Very funny guy and a very, very patient guy. You know, I think he's, he's well-grounded. He's got a life that he's digging right now and doesn't want to rush going full-time into stand-up, which I think is honorable and smart. And uh, just just watch out for Dustin. I'm going to link to his information in the show notes so you can follow him on Twitter. It's at Dustin Nickerson. On Twitter, it's N-I-C-K-E-R-S-O-N. Check him out. Follow him. Always good tweets and just all-around good guy. Hey, once again, you want to check out the Audible free trial? for 30 days and download a book of your choice by going to audibletrial.com forward slash school of laughs. 
Thanks again for listening. I'll be back next week with another interview and some more insight on becoming a stand-up comedian for real. Peace out. Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit schooloflaps.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay money.